Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung, the prayers that have been prayed, and the opportunity to worship you in giving. And now as we look into your word, we ask that it will fall upon the good soul of our heart, gain great root and grow into a mighty oak in our lives. We thank you and we honor you for it all. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 We are into our third episode of our series, Psalms 23, I Shall Not Want. In this third episode, we're going to hear about David's proclamation of how God's provision in trying times and in the presence of those who oppose him as marks of God's goodness as a shepherd. And God's presence with us during the difficult and trying times is meant to create in us a great confidence in his faithfulness. It's very easy to celebrate somebody when everything is going good. But when your money's funny, your change is strange, and you're not the way you used to be, is when your real friends, your real hope, your real, real things appear. Because a real friend stays no matter what. A friend stays day in, day out. And they be miserable with you. They be celebrating with you. They just be with you. There's a song said, that's what friends are for. For good times. And sad times. I'll be by your side forevermore. Why? Because that's what friends are for. And that's what we that's what they do. Well, when we started on this journey, we started off with our first episode, and the subtopic of that episode was the way of contentment. How God has us in every situation. We can be content no matter what the situation. Then in episode number two, we talked about the way of comfort. How God, even in the midst of what we're going through, he will place our minds at ease and at peace. And allow us to be in a spirit of comfort. Now today our subtopic is going to be the way of constancy. Way of constancy. And so let's look at some definitions. So this is not a word y'all you hear frequently, but it's a word that came to my mind, so that's why we're using it. A psalm, first of all, is a sacred song or hymn, a, a, a song composed on a divine subject and in praise of God. We know that want is a deficiency. It's a defect. It's the absence of that which is necessary or useful. And constancy is a fixedness, a standing firm, hence applied to God or his works, its immutability, its unalterable continuance, a permanent state. That means it's going to happen. Same bad time, same bad channel, every time. It's going to happen. God is consistent He's constant, and he constantly loves to be constant because he's the God of consistency. 
So let's look at our scripture. We're going to start at the first verse because I think this is something that we need to hear repeatedly. Psalms 23, verse number 1 in the English Standard Version says this. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we thank you for your word. We ask that it will reside in the deep recesses of our heart. In Jesus' name. This Psalm 23 is one of the most quoted, known, rehearsed, prayed about, sought after psalms, chapters in the entire Bible. Now there's a lot of people that know Jesus wept and there's a lot of people that know for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whosoever believeth in him will not perish but have everlasting life. But those are just verses. There's a lot of folks when they start hearing this Psalms 23 They'll, they'll stumble along with you, but they know kind of what it says because it just has this soothing effect to it. It is placed in this situation whereby David, who was a shepherd himself, points us toward the chief shepherd, the good shepherd, the shepherd of shepherds, the, the, the number one, the, the, the one who is what all shepherds should be like. And he talks about the characteristics of that shepherd. And what I want us to understand in this one is the fact that in verses number five and number six is where we're going to be today. He says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. First of all, let's look at this. He prepares something enjoyable for me right in front of the people that don't like me. Right in front of the people that don't even want me to eat. He prepares this in front. And you know what went through my mind was, you know how some people be so, so into themselves that they see a table being prepared and they, they assume it's just for them and they're just waiting to be called so they can. But he says, no, this is for Johnny. This is for Susie. This ain't for you. But wait a minute. Susie ain't do this. John, God makes it so that they can know that he's got you. He prepares a table 
before me in the presence of my enemy. And in the commentary it says how right before the shepherd would take his sheep and put them into the sheepfold, he would have like a low ground, a flat surface where it was nice and grass and the grass was nice and everything and he would take them down there and the place was called a table because it didn't have it was smooth everything was lovely and in the presence of all the wolves the lions the tigers the bears oh my he would have a place set up for the sheep to come and have their final dinner of the day before they would go because i don't know about y'all but it's easy to sleep on a full stomach. See, y'all not with me. Y'all know how we do on Thanksgiving. We eat a pre-nap meal. Then we plan on having an after-nap meal. And then we're going to have a, oh, another meal. It's a before-bed meal so we can sleep till the next day. Y'all know how we do. What time is dinner? Which dinner are you talking about? The pre-nap dinner? The after-nap dinner? Or the dinner dinner? All of them. All right. Twelve, four, and whenever you want to eat the last one. Why? Because it's good to be full because it allows you to relax and it allows you just to lay back, close your eyes, and let the body do what it does, which is digestion. And as it's doing this digestive process, you can just get you some, some, um, some Z's on. So in this flat place, it also provides this, this place whereby the shepherd, before he calls it a day, he can look over the sheep and make sure none of them have injured themselves or, or did anything to themselves that would cause them harm. It's also the place where he could look over them and make sure that he has all 100. Because we already know from what Jesus said, if he has only 99, he's going to turn around and go find the missing one. So this is this place right before he puts them into the sheep pen and he sets it up so that he can inspect them before they call it a day. And so he would bring them back into this location and that way they can lay out and, 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 and be there and, and he would know that all is well. And I, I said this before and this is the perfect time to say it again is that the way that a sheep pen was set up was that it was a bunch of rocks set up all around with an opening. Now, it didn't have a gate, if you remember, because I was talking about how if he had a gate, a sheep would try to put his head through the gate, and he didn't want to have to do that. So what he would do is lay across the gate. That's why Jesus was able to say that, I am the door. And if anyone wants to enter in, he has to come through me, because I am the way, I am the truth, and I'm the light. He was bringing to the people's mind the image of how a shepherd operates. They're used to seeing the shepherd laying across the sheepfold in order to maintain the sheep. And if that's why he says, if you come any other way, you're a what? You're a thief or a robber. 
So now you can see how all this is laid out. And he prepares a table before me, a place for me, even in the midst of all this conflict, in the midst of all this that's against me, in the midst of all this contrary, he finds a place for me to get my fill so that I can rest effectively. Then the second part of that verse, in verse number 5, 5b, if you want to call it, he says, you anoint my head with oil. Now, we like to, we like to you know, run, run the music and, and like to run around of talking about the anointing, but what the purpose of him putting this oil on the sheep was, it was to prevent them. Sheep, sheep. Again, I told y'all, sheep. Is, sheep are not the most intelligent of the animal kingdom. Now, a sheep, if a fly was on a sheep's nose, what a sheep would do is run his head into the wall in order to get the fly off, or he would just stand there and let the fly do what it would, what it was going to do. Well, they had these certain flies called bow flies. And what a bow fly does is it lays its eggs in the moist places of an animal that it is able to do that. So when they put the oil on the sheep, it prevented the bow fly from landing on the sheep so that the sheep would not have these eggs growing in his nose or his mouth or any wounds that it had on it. And then as you... What would happen is, if the bow fly actually laid the eggs, then the lay eggs would turn into larvae. And you know what a larvae is, right? A maggot. And as the maggots would eat the flesh of the sheep, then the sheep would try to find relief. And again, they would run their head against the wall. They would try to remove the irritation, have knock themselves out, knock themselves. You know, they would hurt themselves trying to relieve themselves. So the preventive measure is, I'm going to anoint all my sheep so that they will not have to go through this problem. So before the problem can even begin, I'm doing what's preemptive to prevent the problem from happening. So, you know, it's funny how, you know, we think we're the most intelligent things on the planet. But God compares us to something that is not really that all that intelligent, right? But I, I'm not trying to say we dumb. It's just, you know, God says he uses the simplest things to confuse the wisest of men. And, and using the sheep shows us how even some of us who think we're very wise, he uses something simple as a sheep to show how we really are. Then the third, final part is he says, my cup overflows. And so what the also, what the, the, the shepherd had, he had a, a two-handed cup. It looked about it was about like this big that he would, listen to this, he would go to each sheep and allow them to get a final drink of the night. He would, can you imagine him walking to each sheep and anointing their head with oil? You are the most important thing to me at this moment. As I'm in your presence, I'm taking care of you. I'm, I'm checking you out. I'm looking at you, making sure that everything is well with you. Checking your hind legs. Checking. I'm looking you over as I'm ministering to you. I'm anointing you. I'm uh, refreshing you with this water. I'm, I'm making sure everything is well with you so that when you lay down, I know all 
as well. He takes care of us. Even in the midst of us having run through that briar bush and we, because we thought it was better uh, grass on the other side and we're cut up, we're beat up and, and he covers us up and he mends our wounds and he does everything to make us well. That's how this thing works. And he would make sure that the sheep were in a good condition before he called it a night. And the funny thing is, even in the night, he would sometimes wake up and go through and just check to make sure everyone's sleeping. Why? Because God doesn't sleep, nor does he slumber. He's always watching over us. He's always protecting us. He's always making sure that the blowflies in our lives are not trying to sneak up on us and trying to infect us with something that later on is going to be adverse to us. He's always protecting us. He's doing everything for us. And all we know is, boy, I sure slept good last night. Is it time to eat breakfast? Yeah. Kind of reminds you of a, of a baby, you know. The, uh, a newborn is one of the most demanding human beings on the earth. I'm going to say that for right now. I know some brothers are going to be saying some different things. But a, a baby, a newborn is the most demanding. All they know is I need to be clean and I need to be fed. I need to be clean. I need to be fed. They don't care what you're doing. They don't care how much sleep you had. When they say it's time, it's time. I just fed you two hours ago. Ah! They don't care. Hey, you better, you, better, you better bring my stuff right now. All I know is I need to be. So what, we're, what we should be able to pull from this is the fact that God cares not only about our spiritual needs. He covers our physical needs. And his presence and, and is there and even in the midst of what looks like opposition to us, he is there with us. He's there showing us, he's there giving us, he's there in the midst of those situations, life giving and, and affirming and, and he's sustaining us. And some, I mean, some of us can look back and say, I don't know how I made it through. I, I, as I look back over that, I, 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 I cannot put two words. I cannot, if I tried to articulate, I would stutter the whole time because I just, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm mesmerized myself. I, 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 oh, I'm getting a headache now trying to think about how that could have happened, that nothing happened to me, but it should have. We, we've seen car accidents where, the car was totally mangled and, 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 and people were walking out and they said, I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know. What is going, God is a sustainer. He's a keeper. Now, the other part of this that I wanted to bring up is the fact that if you are an enemy of, of one of God's children, then you got to be careful because he's always watching him. Always. And God is constant. 
God is always there. Ain't no time where you're going to sneak in and think you're going to get that person. Because God is always watching over them. That's why he said, you, you make a table for me in front of my enemies. And dare them to come over here and say something. <laughs> say something. Come on. God gives his best to his children. He gives his best to his children. The funny thing is, is sometimes we think that what God gives us is not really what we need. Why, why don't I have this, God? Why don't I have this? Instead of focusing on God, I thank you that I got this. I thank you that I got this. And because sometimes we can get it twisted. We can get that newborn sy syndrome of, oh, I just want this. I just want this. And God says, but all your needs are met. But the significant thing is, every once in a while, as time goes on and as we depend on God more and more, guess what happens? Your need is met and God even throws in some wants. And you be like, I never thought that. I never thought that would go happen. But God makes it happen just for you. Just, just because you're my child. I just want you to know I, I heard your cry. Yes. So this symbolizes God's care and his provision. Remember, previously we talked about he, he makes us lie down in green pastures. He, 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 he lets us be right beside the still waters. and he, he just makes everything so calm and beautiful for us. But even in the midst of our enemies, he still is provider. In the middle of the enemies, he shows that this is my servant. He, he vindicates us. He establishes us. He shows us them that he is the Lord and there's nothing too hard for him <laughs> so in the in the presence of the Lord we find that we have his provision the oil the anointing that keeps things off of us keeps things from infiltrating us and protects us and in like manner, when we talk about the oil, it's a representation of God's spirit being on us, in us, operating through us to touch and make us all that he has desired for us to be. And the cup talks about his provision. He's always providing for us. And you heard what he said? The cup overflows. There's so much provision that even the cup can't hold it. It's just falling all over the place because that's how he does. He doesn't just do enough. He does above and beyond. So, I, I, you know what, I'm going to go ahead and close this out because this, this, is, this, this is how all this sets up finally. It says, David looks past these uh, five verses, and in verse number six, he does, he does this. He says, surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me 
all the days of my life. Now, let's just stop there just, just for a moment. He says, when I acknowledge that I am just a sheep in God's fold, that good will follow me, mercy will be upon me. Now, mercy is I've done something and I should get punished, but the punishment is waived. So good is following me. And mercy means if I slip up, fall down, God says, that's okay, get back on track and continue on in the direction. That I, you know, we talked about the sheep that decided to run through the bear patch. He doesn't leave you in the, in the thorns. He pulls you, he comes into the thorns with you, pulls you out of the thorns. Thinking about this, getting stuck himself, but he loves you so much, he's pulling you out of that situation, setting you back into the green pasture, wiping you off, cleaning you up, and saying, go and enjoy yourself. Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. If I fall back a half a step, goodness and mercy will set me back up and say, you are all right. Because they're following behind me, making sure that I'm going in the direction, making sure that I'm there. And if I try to turn around, they'll just bump you. You know how when a baby starts walking? And, you know, they really don't have no control. And so you see them walking, and you just kind of put your hand around the side of them and kind of guide them. And then they just turn. Because you... That's, I believe that's how goodness and mercy works with us. It's, 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 try, it's, it's maneuvering us, but we have the ability to go against it. But if we just rest in what's happening, we know that God is going to be with us and keep us in all situations. And then he finishes it with this. David says, goodness, mercy, they following me. He says, but the, the, this is the best part. He says, I got to finish with this. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord tomorrow. Forever. forever. How long? Forever. You mean forever, forever? Yes, forever, forever. For all eternity, because I am his, I will be able to dwell in his house. Even if we do like the prodigal son and run off and, and feel like I... I I can do better on my own. And we do some things that are not respectable to the name of the Lord. But if we come back and we say, forgive us, guess what he does? He forgives us. And he says that he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. And he restores us back to our proper position. And I can go back. I don't have to sleep in the quarters with the, the servants no go on to your room we ain't even changed nothing in your room go on in your room because when you are a son of the king you can never be the servant you'll always be the prince I don't care how you try to look yourself how you try to make yourself how you try to do yourself you will always be the prince you cannot change it. You cannot. You can do whatever you want to do. But if you come back with the right attitude, you get restoration. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. 
How long is forever? All eternity. Just when you think it's over with, it's still going. Yes. How long is forever? Until forever. And even in the midst of all this that's going on, God is, I think God, the reason that verse number five shows up the way it does is so that God can show even your enemies that I got this, and if you want a part of it, all you got to do is come along. Amen. You can have it too, <laughs> you can have it too. yes. <sighs> it reminds me, you know how, some, you know, well, back in my day when I was growing up, you go over to somebody's house and they would, you know, they would maybe come outside and say, hey, Johnny, you want some, you want, you want um, a popsicle? And you would just be standing there and you'd be looking and the, the parent would look at you and say, would you like a popsicle too? And you'd be like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Now you're not even their child. But because you're around their child, you get the benefit of the child. Y'all catch that tomorrow, man. Because that's how he do. He's blessing you in order to be a blessing to someone else. I'm showing you off so that people can say, I want that. Well, this is what you got to do. Because he told the children of Israel. I said I was done, but now that got me started. He told the children of Israel, I want, I've chosen you as the nation to be the example to other, other nations so that they will know about me. They will see how I interact with you and then they will want to be and have what you have. But the children of Israel said, we'd rather be like them than what you want us to be. And so that's why Jesus had to come because Jesus came and he had to say, the Gentiles that, that we even make stay on the very outside of, of everything that we do, we're going to make them equal to the children of Israel because them jokers don't want to act right. And so we're just going to make everybody equal, and then we'll see how this thing works. And what happened? It spread like wildfire. One man with 12 disciples changed the entire world. My final thought is, all of us have struggles. And sometimes our, the challenges could leave us questioning God. But as I told you before, asking a question is not a sin. What we need to do is say, Lord, why? Hear what he says and do what he tells us to do. So when you know that everything's going crazy, Lord, why is things going crazy? It's nothing wrong with saying that. He can, he'll tell you why. And you say, well, Lord, what you need me to do? He'll tell you what you need to do. Then you make the decision to do it, and then everything works out. The table is spread, and, and the place of comfort, the anointing falls on you, and the provision comes in, and then you're just a happy little sheep going to sleep. And you don't even know what else is going on because you're just over there snoring. Like you just ate the number two dinner on Thanksgiving. What I said, the after nap dinner. So we, as we look through these six verses, we're going to come up to episode number four, which is next week, and I'm going to do a correlation between this, this set of scriptures and show you God's character 
in almost every one of these verses. That's next week. So come on back next week so you can check that out. And with that being said, the key, as I've said before, to appropriating this consistency of God operating in your life is first of all having a relationship with him. Without a relationship with God, this is a hit and miss situation. Yes. To get the constancy that you want, the, 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 the consistency, the always happening, the permanency of this, you have to have that relationship. That relationship is established through accepting the gift of God, which is his son, Jesus. Amen. And, if you, and the Bible says like this, it says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It says, For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confessed and is saved. And that everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Why? Because the gift of God is eternal life. Because the wages of sin, the wages of missing the mark that God has set is death. Eternal separation from God. And that is not our desire for you. We want you to have eternal life. So as you have heard this today, make the decision to accept the gift that God has for you. And we're not going to leave you just hanging because this is not an individual event. This is a team sport. You make that decision. We want you to let us know so that we can come alongside you and assist you along this journey. You can let us know by email at info at godshousecc.com. Or you can text us at 864-920-0100. Let us know that you have accepted uh, God's gift of Jesus Christ into your life. We'll come alongside you no matter where you are in the world. Assist you along this journey because we want God's best for you and your life. All right? Amen. Well, friends and family, that's episode number three. Episode number four, which is our final episode, will be next week. We're going to wrap all this up, put a bow on it, and all the little fringy things on it that, that Yolanda likes to put on, all that stuff. <laughs> I just like to wrap it. She'd be like, no, we got to put the ribbon on it. So tomorrow, we, I mean, uh, next Sunday, we're going to put all the extra stuff on there. And, and so it'll look really, really pretty. And then they don't want to even unwrap it. They say, it looks so good, I only want to unwrap it. You know, that's just, anyway, I'm sorry. I just, I'm sorry. I went down that alley real quick. But this is what I want to tell you. Catch us next week as we do this overview, wrap up, showing the character of God in Psalm 23. All right? Well, until next week, God's blessings be upon you in Jesus' name. Thank you.